Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Basketball Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Uh, We broke news when we released the Brook 40 statement. I was glad we didn't get scooped on that one. <laughs> With SI's Pat Forty. Come on. This is unbelievable. Dan Wetzel is aligned with Duke University basketball. Here's Pat and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. New intro. New intro. It's March. This is March. <laughs> it is, though. It is. It is. There's all sorts of wild stuff happening. College basketball seasons full full effect. Sully wants us to talk more college basketball. We'll we'll do a little the rundown. We'll do a lot. We'll do plenty. The rundown. He mentioned the four huge games this weekend. And One is are. what we're actually going to talk about: UNC at Duke, which is huge because of somebody's last game at Cameron Indoor. Yep. Yeah, whatever uh, that guy's name is, <laughs> not important. And we're not talking about Paulo Bancaro's last game, <laughs> but it is his too. But he has just signed an NIL deal with Yahoo Sports to promote our our Tony Pickham coworker. <laughs> coworker. This, this we need to address. We need to discuss. I have a coworker. You have a coworker, Paulo Bancaro and Chet Holmgren have signed yes. on at NIL deals from Yahoo Sports. Now, Welcome to the team. Yeah. If yeah. you finish the coffee in the break room, you got to make the new pot. <laughs> That's the damn rule. Yeah. No leftovers in the fridge for more than one day. Uh-huh. Don't be bringing fish to the microwave unless the leftovers. Yeah, no either. fish in the microwave. <laughs> and if the new guy wants to pick up a round and win over some uh, goodwill, no one's going to be upset on Friday afternoon. Let's let let's let's just retrace though here. Let's let's think about this. Neither of these guys are, <laughs> are legal to buy yeah, alcohol, No, they're not. The they're not. So we have you're, co-workers. You're, hey. You're you're already courting a scandal. We're excited if we hire anybody. <laughs> and we got Chet Holmgren. Yeah. I mean, I thought he'd want to go play in the NBA, but apparently he wants to work for Yahoo Sports as a yep. promoter. Tell him to make deadline. But now this is Dan Wetzel talking. Bushlight drinking, mow my own lawn, disliker of the establishment, always, you know, holding up the little guy, the common man. <laughs> and now you're in bed with Duke. You're in bed yeah. with Duke. Come on. This is unbelievable. Dan Wetzel is aligned with Duke University basketball. What a moment. Yeah, I would have taken like some Juco transfer to like (laughs) Wichita State personally, but he scored a 37 on his ACT. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, well, whatever. Listen, <laughs> just your jealousy over there. We uh, traded Pat Forty. We got Chet Holmgren. <laughs> you did get more upside there. I admit yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, um, hopefully they'll still not talk to me during. We should have signed Kennedy Chandler. That's just my opinion, but whatever. <laughs> Anyway, back to us picking uh, the, Sully's rundown. Four huge games, four huge games. Guess what the second huge game that we must discuss today? It's got one, two, three, four bullet points underneath to discuss. Number 15, Arkansas. Number 13, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Small it's a good game. It, small chance it's for an SEC title. Small. It, very it, small. It's but, a yeah, good like game. Auburn's got a gag. They're like someone horrible. Who are they? South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's really if it's on the road, they might gag it. They're the worst road team. But they're home. Okay, then no, they're not gagging it. Not unless they get Cluck Norris down there. <laughs> Cluck at point. If Cluck gets South, off the bus with South Carolina, it, then, Auburn. Yeah, they're then done. We got a battle. Yeah. Coach BP is going to have to run the other way if Cluck Norris comes after him. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, but other than that, number 15 versus number 13 is, I mean, it's not exactly like this bombshell event. <laughs> uh, I think there's one final four contender on the floor when those two teams play. Unfortunately, it's not the team in orange. Oh, what's sad for Sully? Not really. They're really streaky. They have a chance. They're one of the seven teams that could win it all, I think. But oh, you're, oh, you're right. All right. Just let's before we're already off the rails. Two minutes in. <laughs> Um, can you tell us who your other six are that can win it all, Sully? Uh, Gonzaga, Baylor, Kansas, uh, Auburn, Tennessee, uh, Arizona. Didn't get the Duke or Kentucky? Yeah, Duke. <laughs> I Kentucky? I don't, I don't like Kentucky. No? Give me Duke. Tennessee okay. over Kentucky. Well, I like Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Kentucky's the best team in the SEC. Neutral floor. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I, I like this Kentucky team an awful lot. Yeah, got someone's. You got to guard Oscar, man. Plus, I just love that they have a star player named Oscar. <laughs> First Oscar to come back. Oscar Robertson, I think, who's been Might really, be. really good. You know? Might be. Yeah, they have a guy that gets thirty rebounds a game. But yeah, the great Oscar Avila used to hit some great shots in the playgrounds of Indianapolis when I lived there. <laughs> Oscar buddy Ross, of mine, I play. Buddy of mine, I played basketball with. Oscar Maybe Schmidt from Brazil back in the day. Oscar Schmidt. Oscar Combs used to be mm. the most famous. Oscar involved with Kentucky basketball. Anyway, Absolutely. Uh, regardless, uh, all right, Tennessee title title contender, says Tennessee fan. Um, <laughs> let's get to this. Uh, Coach K might be, uh, you might have heard, he's retiring at the end Jeez, of the season. They've kept it really quiet. I'm it's been quiet, quiet news. Yeah. He, uh, they host Carolina on Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Duke is giving 12. Let's, let's, we'll talk, let's make a pick along this just for the, because this is a wild one. Like they, I could see them winning by 45 points. Just like, I mean, the players have got to play like out of their mind in this game. Massive collection. They're talking about nearly a hundred former players there. I mean, we're talking Hall of Famers, oh, All yeah. Americans. I mean, you know, there'd be more if they weren't busy playing in the NBA. Get in price for a ticket right now. If you want two, I just looked on StubHub, 3,200. One that's, wise guy's trying to sell it. Get in. That's the cheapest, worst seat. Now there aren't really a bad. There's not a bad seat. Cameron Indoor seats what eighty two or something or ninety one thirty one ninety one. Bunch of students. You're obviously going to have massive amounts of university tickets because I, uh, you know, I don't think Grant Hill and Shane Battier and these guys oh, are yeah. paying their own way. 
and then captains of industry like left and right. Oh, wow. I mean, it's- yeah. Everybody wants to go. The demand was so big that Duke was like trying to diplomatically tell some of the B-list people, hey, we play Florida State in the second to last home game. If you'd like to come and see Coach K, this could be a good opportunity for you. Oh, because, really? Yeah, because we ain't getting you in on on March uh, 4th or 5th for, for North Carolina. So, I mean. And even if you get in, be, you're not going to get any time. Like he's, I mean, it's just going to be overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, he had a press conference today. I'm in Durham. I went to the press conference and he was great classic K where, you know, I mean, he's the smartest guy in the sport. So he's always worth listening to. He's got, he's got insight. Uh, he has wit, got a little bit of bite to him on occasion. And he did today where Mark Emmert was involved. We'll get to that. But, you know, he said that they're trying to figure out how he can have time to talk to everybody. He said, you know, I had a long conversation on the phone with Quinn Snyder. He's been texting with Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, on and on and on with these former players. But there's going to be all these guys in the house. And I think they're, you know, looking at stuff Saturday night, but then Sunday morning, more stuff. And I mean, it's just going to be the absolute who's who of Duke basketball and to a degree who's who of college basketball over the last 35 years. Amazing. Yeah. And so it's literally like, you get that many guys, you get you spend two minutes with each guy. Yeah, <laughs> you're out right. of time. Uh, yeah, it, it's got to be somewhat overwhelming. All right, so what are your takeaways from the Coach K press conference, and then maybe we'll discuss just a little bit of Coach K himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, first off, uh, you know, my my question I asked him was, you know, you've been counseling players on how to handle the emotions of Senior Day for forty some years here. It's finally your Senior Day. What, what counsel do you give yourself? And he's like, that's, you know, I, I don't know. He said, I just have to kind of play it how it comes. But, uh, you know, he anticipates going to be, yes, it's going to be very emotional, especially seeing all the former players and everything there. He wants to beat Carolina, you know, wants to try to keep his mind on the game as much as he can. He did joke. He said, at least I'm not going to expend all my energy in pregame warmups, which is what he tells the players, uh, the seniors on senior day. Uh, you know, he, he was... Very good talking about, you know, how much the he like the university and Duke basketball and Cameron all kind of brought each other up to a degree. You know, that the, the the symbiotic relationship there and, and how that's that arena became so integral to college basketball, uh, you know, not just because they won a lot, but because they never screwed it up. They never moved into a bigger, more modern place They they, they kept the students down low. Uh, so that was good. You know, he talked about that, talked about Tom Butters, who A, hired him, B, didn't fire him when people wanted to after three years, and then C, uh, would not accept his resignation when K tried to resign after the back issues and mental issues in the mid-90s, in 94, 95, I believe it was. K said he tendered his resignation. Butters like, no, you're not resigning. Um, so, you know, some, some perspective, some appreciation, certainly some, some humility. And then again, yes, the, the shot he took at Mark Emmert, um, Jeff Goodman asked him, you know, have you had any conversations with Mark Emmert? He's like, well, yeah, but it's been a while. And in absolutely none of them did Emmert say, Hey Mike, what do you think we should do that's best for college basketball? And that's kind of always been a burr under his saddle of like that, that, he hasn't been consulted, I guess. But I think on, <laughs> I think on the other other side of that is yeah. you can force the conversation yourself. You know, Mike Krzyzewski, to a degree, has been pretty quiet in the last several years on 
a lot of the issues in the game. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, do we really, every other school in the country, it'd be like the last thing we need is him asking Coach K what to do. Um, so that, that might've been a good idea by Emmert, not uh, trying to, uh, not trying to pull that off. I did. I watched a little of the press conference. You know, it, it is, it's classic Shashevsky. People ask me what, what's coach K like? And you know, my standard answer is I have no idea, uh, because I mean, who, who really knows, but I will say what I, I, what I think, and I've asked this of, of a number of former players and assistants of his, I always thought that coach K is the general, right? Knight got the, Bob Knight got the nickname, the general, but Bob Knight is, uh, emotional, enraged, flies off the handle. Oh. A general is calculating, prepared, uh, less emotional, okay? And, I, and I'm not a, someone who disliked Bob Knight. I found him to be a fascinating guy and, and had a decent relationship with him. Bob Knight's your army. He's leading the army. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're in you're a in lot trouble. of trouble. Yep. Coach K is the one who went to West Point. Right. Okay, like you do. Coaching at West Point is one thing. Going to West Point is a totally different thing. Like you're the, you go into West Point. He's the one who was the military sergeant. He's the one that that I feel in any in any any interaction he has, Mike Shishesky is try is is plan has planned out or is considering how I am going to win the interaction. However, that interaction must be done, whether it is intimidation of an official or or somebody or the most charming thing he could do or the most convincing argument, or whatever it is, he, he's extremely good communicator in different ways. And you've seen it through the years at various times in press conferences. Or he can be one thing, and then he can be another thing, and he can do all that. And that's just all of him. He just, I think, and when he's with this, this, you know, you hear recruits like, man, when I he was sitting in my living room, I they never thought he'd ever, he could raise his voice. And then I got there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. And he's absolutely killing me. And it's oh, like, yeah. you do know that he's a... He, He's a sergeant in the army. Like you get yes. him in, like literally, yeah, the drill sergeant, this is it. Yeah, yeah. So and I just he, always he may found not that. throw the chair like Bobby, but he'll use the same language as Bobby. Yeah. And and the discipline is is so intense. You look at uh the program, uh, the guy's still in phenomenal shape. Everybody around him has to be, right? All the different things. It's a very consistent discipline program. And that's one of the things that's made it last this long, where as good as Knights programs could be and teams could be, the program itself was just like chaotic. Yeah. Because it was just like, who knows what's going on, right? Right. could be could be a little bit of everything. So today was sort of that. It was like, he's going to reminisce. He's going to give you the good stuff today. But yeah, when all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to take a shot at Mark Emmert. Yeah, I'm going to take my shot at Mark Emmert. Sure. But yep. do you really want Coach K as Mark Emmert's uh, voice on his shoulder? I don't think Mark Emmert asks anybody what he should do. No. Other that, than I mean, go to the bank twice a month. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, I mean, that to me, that that's all. He's been posturing. K has been posturing for 10 years, maybe longer. I don't know that, you know, basketball as uh, – as football continued to dwarf basketball in terms of decision-making, revenue, all those sorts of things, realignment specifically. Uh, you know, Kay was the guy who pushed back against that. I mean, I think he was the driving force behind Syracuse and Pittsburgh coming into the ACC because it was a better basketball move than it was a football move. And I think he wanted the ACC to champion its football more than its basket or its basketball, I'm sorry, more than its football. So, you know, he's kind of been, wanted to be that voice, but not so much the voice 
talking to Emmert about, hey, what do we do about the amount of cheating that's in the sport? What do we do? You know, because, hey, let's face it. They were getting the same players that Kentucky was trying to get and Arizona was getting and so on and so forth. Kansas, Louisville, all the programs that got caught up in that investigation before, during, and after Duke was getting those guys. And they probably weren't getting them just because of the Cameron crazies. So I thought he came up a little bit quiet in that element of the state of the game. Uh, but, I, you know, if, if, if you want anybody actually to talk some sense into Mark Emmert, there are plenty of people that could do it. I think Krzyzewski could have. But again, I think he's a little inconsistent in what he wanted to address. I think one of the reasons, I mean, that's one of the reasons that he's done, he, we're, we're celebrating him. Uh, what is it, 42 years? 42 years. 42 years, and he just won the ACC. Yeah. So there's... <laughs> The reason that you can do that is because he, he switched things up. You look at the, and, and it, it really went somewhat around when he got the Olympic job in, in 08, in 06, when he took over the Olympic job, and then on from there, and he learned to be far more interested in, in he, he embraced the one and done. Uh, he embraced his inner Nike. Yep. Uh, he embraced <laughs> everything that would go along with it. Mm-hmm. And you look at his players, there, there's a period, I think that the, the singular moment that everything changed for him, you could go whatever you want. You could say that 08 Olympics. In, in the fall of 09, he got Kyrie Irving to commit. Classic one and done. Not, you go, you go pre-08 and his, his great players were four, and, and the whole game was like this, but it was Leitner, Hurley, Battier, Brand, Ferry, Dawkins, J.J. Redick even, Jay Williams. Those guys are all, th- I believe every one of them stayed at least three years. Did Maybe Brand? not Elton Brand. Uh, might have been two. Elton Brand. Elton Brand might be two. I think he is two. Elton Brand wanted two. But it was not one and done. Sheldon Williams, right? He had a lot of, then all of a sudden, it's Kyrie, who actually barely even played for him. But then it's Jabari Parker and Okafor and Bagley and Barrett and Zion and all the other guys, it, 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 he, he flipped the switch and he was willing to switch and go, I'm taking these guys. And they became the dominant one and done team, even more than Kentucky, who Cal Parry, Cal Parry's whole career was built on that age limit. I mean, that was the greatest because before he was getting all those recruits and then just going, he was in Memphis. They were just leaving. You know, he had Kendrick Perkins and guys like that. And then they just all left. Before he could even rec- he coach him, and then all of a sudden the one and done, bang! He started getting everybody. And then Kay came in and started taking him. And whatever you got to do to get it done, I mean, we're I, I could care less. But all of a sudden he 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 switched about 08. and so here we are, fourteen years later, at least third, you know, twelve to thirteen since Kyrie commitment, and they're they can win the national title. He could go out on top. He's at least going out with an ACC regular season title, which I don't think he's won since uh, uh, 05, right? It's been a long time. I know 16 years. So, and and in some ways, it's a greater sign of how good your team is when you can win your conference title than than win the. There's an element of greatness that goes with winning a conference, a regular season conference title. Right. It's hard to luck into one of those. You know, you don't lock into it. You don't get hot. You don't get hot right. and just yeah. win the ACC. You got to win it. And he did it. And, and so uh, that's one of the things that to me was it was like he went from the epitome of the four year guy, the long term guy to all of a sudden it, it's it's rent a star. And that's fine. And he learned how to coach him. 
Yeah. And he did great. And he he coached that Olympic team and rode that. I'm Kobe's coach. I'm, I, I mean, some of the advantages he had. I remember being at a Nike event at the LeBron James camp down in Akron. He, LeBron had a talent camp. They were they were calling like the Nike camp that or LeBron camp that year. Maybe they still do. I don't know. Nike's yeah, right. LeBron skills. Yeah, they're putting the names of all their flagship guys on their camps. Yeah. And Kay's sitting there, and I was actually sitting uh, next to him. And LeBron is there. He comes running over, climbs up the bleachers, and it's like, "Hey, coach, what's up?" Because he's his, he's his national team coach, and he yeah. sits there and talks to him for for, for forty five minutes. Yeah, and all the kids are there watching, and it's like I'm like, oh, every other coach in the country's throwing daggers at Kay, like <laughs> they're punching air right now. Oh, ah, yeah. Jesus, criminy! Damn, LeBron is paying, kissing the ring of of Coach K, and that we're all trying to recruit these kids, and that was so huge. And then he he stuck on, right? He he oh yeah, he took the 06 job, the 08, and then this is and this is what kind of ended a tumultuous wild relationship with Bob Knight is Knight got really upset and thought you coach the Olympics once and you give it to the next guy. That's the right way to do it. And that's how it should be done. And Kay hung on for three, two more Olympics and, and, and rode that to extreme pro- prominence with the new guys. And Kay felt that was disrespect or uh, Knight felt that was disrespectful to the Henry Ibas and all those great coaches before him who, who would only do one, one time. So I, that that to me was one of his best things. And again, this is why Shashevsky's the general. It's like this tactic isn't quite working right now. Well, hell, come on down, Kyrie. You're a little nuts, but yeah. <laughs> we'll deal with you. Sure. You know, we'll figure it out. You can play. Let's go. And he figured out how to coach those teams. Yeah. No, he did. And I, I mean, there there were a couple different inflection points where I think you can go back and and see where he changed tactics for sure. Uh, and by the way, 06 was the last time they won the outright ACC title. That was a really good team that lost to UConn in the, uh, I think, uh, 06, that might have been. Anyway, so in the late 90s is when, okay, he's coming back. They win the title, 91-92. They are by far the best program in America from 86 through 92. Really through 94. They make a championship game there with Grant Hill. And then Krzyzewski has the back issue, sits out the season. Mentally, he's shot, comes back, gets the program back going, but it hasn't really elevated fully. And so, hey, we better go get some guys, including Corey Maggette and Chris Duhon. And okay, some so there was some 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 stuff with those guys, right? I mean, Maggette. Corey Maggette's yeah. recruitment, you know about very well. You wrote about it. I wrote about hey, it. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Quinn Snyder is his assistant too. And Quinn Snyder is an assistant. Quinn was coach. trying to update the offense, like everything. Quinn was trying to update everything. Yeah, yeah. So and Quinn's turned out to be an incredible coach of his own once he got yeah, to the NBA. The NBA, yeah. he's found where he should be. For Phenomenal sure. coach. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know. Chris Duhon's mom moved from Slidell, Louisiana to Durham, and that was the first one of those like, hmm, maybe Duke's thing doing things that everybody else is doing too. And a little bit of an eye-opener uh, there. And then, yeah, the, the next big evolution. And again, after you win the title in 01, but then it's not you're not quite getting there, well, let's let's try to do something different. And then all of a sudden now you're, you're embracing one and done and you're bringing those guys in. You win the 2015 title, very much driven by one-and-done guys, Jalil Okafor and uh, Justice Winslow on that team. And you play zone defense. I mean, you know, they did a lot of stuff different. And now 
again, he has a he does have a chance to go out on top, which would make for an incredible storyline this tournament. The way they are playing right now, and and Kay made reference to it, they are playing extremely well, which is why I would lay the points Saturday against a not very good North Carolina team. I think it's just going to be overwhelmed. I mean, I don't, can you imagine having to play and all those guys sitting? Ooh. They're all going to sit behind the bench. Yeah. I mean, you're going to look up at like a Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. There's only, I mean, this is the second greatest collection of like, other than that's the NBA All-Star game where they've trotted out everybody. Right. Like I was, I mean, God, how intimidating was that with all these guys courtside? You're like, oh, Jesus, look at these guys. <laughs> um, Kay, so how much do you think, because this, this is one of the reasons that Duke was popular and unpopular. How much was Kay trying to claim he was better? And how much was it just this media that would just fawn over the program? I, I mean, I remember there was a SI article in, in, in college basketball had like just it was very Duke centric in like their reporters and stuff, even like there it's was an oversized women's basketball right now. Right. There's a lot of Sacramento fans that are mad that like. Yeah. Yeah. You got. Yeah. UConn. Right. Well, I mean, Duke's got that. I mean, Seth Davis didn't play there and somehow he became the I mean, like, I don't know, like the school there. He went to school there, right? But it's like, we'll take that guy. We'll put him on CBS. But it was, I remember there was an SI article literally about Mike Krzyzewski. And I, I I just remember the headline. I remember not even really understanding it all at the time, but thinking, wow, this is a lot. And they called him Blue Angel instead of Blue oh, Devil. Boy. Oh, boy. And then Dickie V and all the different people. And yeah, he's, he's I, I think Case Prez, he, he accomplished it. But I remember when I was covering a lot of AAU basketball and I was involved in all that stuff. And when I covered college basketball all the time and people go, well, there's not never anything at Duke. And I'm like, well, did you ever look? Cause I, <laughs> eh. yeah. and, but Kay was the one who would praise UNLV and Jerry Tarkanian and say, and try to tamp that down at times. Right. I, I think he was, it's a little, all gray well, hats. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's look, he's, Again, smart, calculating, and probably knows what's what's in the closet to a degree. And so, yeah, look, if you go back, you want to see kind of the genesis of the media adoration of Duke. You can absolutely look at Sports Illustrated and, you know, Kirk Kirkpatrick, who went to North Carolina but loved everything in the triangle. Uh, Alex Wolf wrote very highly of, of Duke and, and Coach K. John Feinstein, for a long time, the probably the most influential writer in college basketball Went to Duke uh, and carried, you know, a big opinionated hammer. And I think absolutely champion Shashevsky and the way they did things. John's a lot of fun. No, he's great. People, I mean, people, hey, well, I'll say this. John carries a huge hammer and he did have to do a lot for Duke, but he's a lot of fun. To have. He was no, fun when he was fantastic. He, yeah. Yeah. I totally. Mean, you hate him or love his column. Yeah. Whatever, I, I am not criticizing any of the people yeah. I have mentioned. That's for yeah. sure. Those yeah, are all great cool. sports writers. But very it was very, very Duke is the good guys. Yep. Everyone else is the bad guys. Yep. And then, and okay, so you're taking – Feinstein takes it up to a point, and then what happens? ESPN comes along, and Dookie V, Dick Vitale. <laughs> don't underestimate the value of having Dick Vitale singing your praises three every times night. a week. Duke type of dandies. Yeah. 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 Every yeah. night. Yeah, every night. Yeah. And everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, but, and like you said, they hire. It's it, it is UConn women's basketball dominates the women's every time you turn on. It's like yeah. three UConn women basketball players on ESPN talking about right, it. right. And that's the thing. Jay Billis, who's the the foremost analyst right now, he played on the '86 team. He was an assistant right. to Kay. Jay Williams is on Jay ESPN. Williams, all. And yeah, uh, uh, Carlos Boozer's on the ACC Network. I mean, 
They, and how and, many? Yeah, and where's the Kentucky? Right. The I don't know the the UConn. UConn. How many? They they won what? Four titles. Yeah, four titles. Four, four titles. titles K- since K's won five. Yeah, like I don't see all those guys on there, do they? I, I don't. I'm not paying enough attention to who's talking on ESPN. But no, they're not. Right? Where are those guys? Yep. And and it was always this perspective, and it, that would probably bother me the most when I really covered college basketball was that, and it would just be like, well, Duke does it the right way, and it was a lot of people who had no idea, who never actually looked at. I don't. I don't buy that term. First off, I just don't. I hated the term. Yeah. But the right way. But it was a lot of like broadcasters and like, you know, like, well, I'm over there all the time. I don't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> broadcasters <laughs> wouldn't know where to look or how. And I know. They sure didn't it's want so, to. Didn't so want ridiculous. To. Yeah. Right. And so the other teams were the threats. Right. Yeah. Bob Huggins at Cincinnati. That's a threat. That's right. Whatever Calipari's yep. got cooking. Calhoun. Mm-hmm. All these other guys were, well, they're doing this. They're doing. Yeah. Now, I think that's what turned a lot of people off was too much. I, I will give. K credit that I don't know whether he played that much into it. Maybe I'm right. Forgetting no, I, I, some of it. I don't think K really embraced, you know, holier than and, thou. I mean, and, he championed and he was, their academics and all that stuff, and which is fine. Yeah, but, and he, and he, but he, he certainly was good with like when they played UNLV. He was very clear that this is not what this should be. Right. Yep. Um, yep. And I've also always appreciated before games, if you listen to him, he oh, and even after, he'll talk a lot about how good the other players are on the teams. Well, yeah, that's I was going to get to that here just real quick. Go but, ahead. Uh, no, uh, the one other thing I want to mention, I mean, you know, the the perceived ESPN bias in favor of Duke is it's more than just a perception. We just we said we just named off all those people that are involved in broadcasting right. Duke games, but. Little Birdie tells me that George Bodenheimer himself will be in Cameron Indoor Stadium. That's the head of ESPN, right? That's the head of Disney. That's that's the head of the whole thing. He's coming to the game. There's a little bit of a cozy relationship there. Mickey so, Mouse's best friend, basically. Yeah. I mean, they, K made him a lot of money. They got a lot of good games. No, yeah, yeah, you know, but but let's. I mean, look, if you're if you're Duke, you ride it, man. You're like, hey, you want to hire my no, guy? Yeah. You, you you absolutely ride the hell out of it, but just. The, the relationship exists, all right? It, it's there. It's definitely interesting. It's like how many Michigan State players are broadcasting? Can't think of like one. We'll wait. wait pretty, maybe we'll wait for Draymond to retire. But he well, might he will, but he'll NBA. do NBA. He'll yeah. Do NBA. But yeah, like it's very, uh, and, 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 you know, it's just a very, there's a lot of really good programs. <laughs> and it's just like, okay. But yeah, there is definitely that. And I think that that pushed a lot of it. People just got tired of it. I, what I would say at this point, as we enter the last thing, and Duke's been fun to hate. It's, it's, they're a good villain. They're good heroes, right? They're they're consistently there, and K does just enough stuff that makes you angry and all that. But then there's times when the teams are just so much fun. I mean, that Zion Williamson uh, team was so just that, that team was so much fun to watch. They ended up losing in the Elite Eight, but yeah, but they um, did a lot to rejuvenate college R.J. Barrett. Yeah, they had everybody, yeah. and and it was just just so much fun, and. Uh, just like K, K's always been very pro player. He's always been good about the other teams, players and coaches. He really takes time. And especially when he, when he can, he can be very, very gracious, uh, in victory, occasionally gracious in defeat. Although not always, but mainly like, it's just a constant, like, I don't really recall college hoops before Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah. 
Uh, I do because I'm older than you are, but but still, like the one I don't. I remember watching John Wooden's teams for about two years and yeah. retiring when I was like ten. Uh, but then there's been nobody since that even comparable, other than Mike Shashevsky and his his complete dominance of it. But wherever he went, the last thirty something years, salt sell out, big, you yeah. know, unbelievable. Kay's coming, Duke's yeah. coming, Duke's coming. I don't yeah. care. You know, a lot of he wouldn't go to too many road games, but you know, the Big Ten ACC challenge would make him come to different places, and it would be the biggest ticket right. in years, and everyone's excited. So, well, that yeah, ninety two Philadelphia when they played Kentucky in that game. Uh, and I covered that regional when they had their open practice. That was the first time I up close saw rock star treatment for a college basketball team. I mean, flash bulbs, screaming women, everything. And it was they that's Duke was so big. They were the re, uh, defending champions and they were number one every single week of that year, 91, 92. And they go rolling into Philly and the place was just going crazy. Uh, and a lot of it was Leitner. I mean, Leitner, you know, movie star looks, persona that you either loved or hated. And I think Leitner drove the lightning rod perception of the whole program. Like after him, there was a lot of people that were like, eh, maybe Duke's kind of a, got, got some real snots there, you know? Uh, well, and but, he's got had some players like that. They're, you know, Grayson Allen. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's been yeah. some guys. No, but that's slap the floor. We always play defense because we slap the floor. Like, right. you don't need oh, to yeah. slap the floor to play defense. There's <laughs> plenty. I'm trying to be positive here, Pat. <laughs> trying Lightning. to be No. Yes. But no. I right, like so, Mike Krzyzewski. He's always been phenomenal with me. So yes. that's all I care about. I, it's definitely one of my favorite plays in sports when a defense slaps the floor and then Slap gives the up a floor. bucket. And then, yeah, gets up, the gives floor. up a blow-by turnstile yeah. layup. But, Slap no, that floor. was my, like, real quick, my, my favorite Krzyzewski moment. Uh, and he's been great with me. I've had some phenomenal conversations with him. But favorite Krzyzewski moment was after they beat Kentucky in that game. And he was the most, like, over-the-top gracious to Kentucky because I think he legitimately respected everything that they poured into that game and knew how close it was to who was going to win. And Shashevsky, you know, like consoling Richie Farmer on the floor in the spectrum. I'm there. I'm covering the game. It's right in front of me, you know, and he's like consoling all these Kentucky guys. And then he goes over and gets on the Kentucky radio broadcast with Kaywood Ledford, the legendary radio broadcaster who's signing off on his last game. And Mike's like, Hey, can I say a word? And they give him the headset, and he's like, I just want to tell the Kentucky fans how great their team was. I mean, and just like went out of his way to praise them. I just, I thought that was extreme class. Uh, now, yes, it's easier to do when you win, of course. And I've, I've seen him be pretty darn classy in defeat, too. As you said, not all the time. He's had some snippy moments. But, but he's gone and after losses, like gone to opposing locker rooms, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, he's, I, th I think for the most part, he's, he's, you know, he's, he ex respects the, honor of the game, if, if that's not too highfalutin a word for it. But he was just so good after winning that game, and he appreciated it, and I think he still appreciates that as, as probably the best game he's been part of. Here's another one that, that I'll just real quickly, that like this is why coaches love this guy. And I just looked this up because I thought I had heard this story. Henry Iba died in uh, 2000, or let me see, what year did he die? You know, the great Oklahoma State, Oklahoma A&M right. coach, 1993, January 15, 1993. Henry Iba dies, Olympic coach, uh, 88 years old. Real, you know, one of these ginorm ginormous figures in in basketball, college basketball. One of the in first the middle of that, big figures in the sport. One of the first big figures. In the middle of that season, Jan they have the funeral and 
Mike Krzyzewski flies in from Duke to go. Wow. He's not a former player of Henry Ibas. Mm -mm. He just came to honor him. And he flew in and, you know, obviously flies in, flies out, right? But whatever. He goes all the way to Oklahoma, to Stillwater, Oklahoma, or wherever the funeral was, let to to honor this guy. And it, there's a million of those things that make people go, like, right? It's 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 a story you just told of, to Kentucky fans that I, I'm going to, it's pre, in top of mind to honor this old broadcaster yeah. in Kentucky. Right, right. It's, it's exactly. top of mind for me to go honor someone in Oklahoma. It's yeah. top, it's, I'm going to stand up for the UNLV players in a time of uh, uh, when, when this is unfair and I don't feel comfortable with this, that wins over a segment of fan bases that go, you know what? When that guy stood up at, at a really you know, like that was really cool. That was yeah. really classy. Absolutely. And that, you know, I mean, look, in the middle of the 1993 season, you know, I need to go to uh, send flowers. Right. Right. Yeah. But he didn't. So, um, yeah, I just just looked it up. He was there, according to Oklahoman. Very quickly, CBS Sports put out the list of the uh, I guess he's had 200 something players. I thought it would be more. More than 200 players have come through the Duke program. I thought it would be more. Yeah, they compiled the top 42. Okay, I will give... Can you name your top five? Okay. This is according top. to Matt Norlander and company over at CBS. Right. Your top five Duke Blue Devils all of all time under K, and I'll tell you where they actually rank. According okay. To this uh, so this is their play at Duke. At Duke. At Duke okay. only. All right. Um, so Kyrie isn't going to make it because Kyrie uh, no, barely he played, played five but, games. I think it was. Yeah, is that, yeah in, a, in not, a Duke uniform. Um, all right, hang on. Um, all right, let's go. All right, let's go with that. All right, here's who I got. Ready? Yep. Christian Leitner, number one. Yes. Yep. They have yep. him as number one. Got to be absolute no brainer. Uh, Grant Hill. He is number two on their list. All right. Number three, Bobby Hurley. They have Bobby Hurley at number ten. So what? yeah. Come on. Uh, number uh, my fourth one, Jay Williams. Jay Williams, they have at number three. Okay, all right. I mean, he was they they were three. Yeah, I mean, he was he was great. Yeah, Jay and, Williams is a dominant player. All right. Uh, yeah, no, he was outstanding. Two thousand one, two thousand two, both those. Yeah, one more guess. Yep, Danny Ferry. Danny Ferry is number seven. Okay. Here's the top. Here's the top ten. Hurley, Battier at nine. Elton Brand at eight, Ferry at seven, Johnny Dawkins at six, mm. won the Naismith Player of the Year Award. Okay. Yeah. JJ Reddick at five. Yeah. Okay. A lot of points. Zion yeah. at four. Oh, yeah. You know what? Gosh, I, I frankly forgot Only about that. He played Zion. one year. Yeah. But good God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Zion. I, I feel bad about that. Everyone's I, forgotten about Zion. That's I, the problem. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's seen uh, Zion for months. Where's Ja, ja Morant? Yeah. Number three, Jay Williams. Number two, Grant Hill. Number one, Leader. Okay. So that's, I, that, that, that's a good list. I mean, I, I think Bobby Hurley's way too low at 10, but I, I can't really quibble otherwise. Reddick. Reddick was really good and one of those guys people really hated, although, and he played into that a little bit. He would he would throw the hands up when he made big shots and that sort of thing. But I think one of the really best interesting guy from ever. an interesting family, from a hippie family uh, in like the woods Roanoke. of Virginia. Yeah. yeah, and he had uh, Roanoke, yeah. 
JJ had a couple tattoos on his ribs. I went and did a big story about him, and I asked his his mother did not approve. This was 2005, you know, and <laughs> people were up in arms about that sort of thing. Tap 40, trying yeah. to cause family strife <laughs> in the Reddick house. I went to P.F. Chang's with the Reddick family and I asked him, I said, what do you think of the tattoos? And his mom shakes her head and said, it's a permanent expression of a temporary emotion. Uh, <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. Very true. It's good parent line. Nice. Keep that in what mind with that? your daughters. I don't know where I saw one of those. It was like somebody, it's some line I heard a long time ago. It was like someone got some Chinese lettering on the, a tattoo and they're like, what is that? What does the Chinese lettering mean? And it's like 19 drunk and in Cancun. That was what I said. <laughs> Beautiful. I believe that's the translation. Yeah. I mean, you have a, they have a son who is an All-American at Duke University en route to a 20-year NBA career. He's got a huge future in media. He's intelligent, interesting, uh, infor- like, just terrific. And Pat, you're in there throwing bombs, trying, well, he's got these tattoos, Mom. It's 2005, but so that what point, a- hardly any of those things were true. He'd been a very good college player. None of the rest what of it was What a jerk true. you were. What a jerk. <laughs> yeah, you J.J. Reddick was... You he was going to question. Come he on. was going to do fine no matter what. I, I'm a, and you're trying to get him in trouble with his mother. I'm trying to turn him into Marshall Henderson over here. <laughs> Pat Forty is a jerk. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. You go to PF Chang's and you try to stir stuff up. <laughs> I hope she's. Pro- I hope the tattoos have not held JJ back. I don't think they have. I think he's okay. Why? What were you looking at his ribs anyway? I'm, it was like in the locker room, you know. I mean, oh jeez. There you go. He's terrible. You're a terrible. He wasn't hiding them from anybody. All right. That concludes our Duke Duke coverage. Good good Duke chat. That was a good Duke chat. That was longer than I anticipated. So this pod's going to go a little long uh, because I don't think we're getting in and out of this quick discuss this discussion quickly. (laughs) No. No easy way to transition to this. Your employer, Sports Illustrated, Pat, had a interview. Uh, released Thursday, a story released Thursday by Robert Sanchez. Very fascinating story about Leah Thomas, Penn swimmer, transgender swimmer. Uh, We have discussed this in the past uh, some. Uh, We broke news when we released the Brook 40 statement. I was glad we didn't get scooped on that one. (laughs) Would have been bad if we got scooped on that. Would have been bad, but so at least we, we got that. Good job. You locked down that source. And we're two weeks out, less than two weeks, I think, to the uh, NCAA Swimming Championships. This story is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Pat, I will try to spare you from, like, making news here because you're kind of in a tough spot. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So you don't have to answer whatever. Swim Flame is listening. (laughs) I will not be like you and the Reddicks and try to, you know, (laughs) grill you. Uh, I'll be, this is being soft. My opinion is, I like, I am not a cultural warrior. I don't personally don't really care. I find these things more fascinating than anything else. I just find people who are obsessed with politics and culture are the most miserable people in our country, no matter which side of the fence they are on. They wake up every day looking to get offended. Um, If Brooke Forty was not in the swimming pool uh, at that championships, I'd really not care at all what happened in that swimming pool. But I do a little. But this is a fascinating story. Do you have a general uh, general thoughts on the story that came out? This is basically her first comments about about what's going on. Uh, Leah has stayed uh, incredibly quiet uh, publicly uh, as all hell is broken up uh, over the her over uh, Leah's presence in the uh, swimming pool. Yes. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a great story. Robert Sanchez did an excellent job with it. I think it was 
thoughtfully written, edited, presented. Uh, it is an exclusive interview with her. She had done some podcast stuff with Swim Swam, but really not since this became a cause celeb had she talked to anybody. And so she did talk to us and, you know, kind of laid out her pro thought process and, and physical process to a degree of transitioning. And, you know, that she wanted to still swim and the ripples from that and the people who are angry about it and the people who are supporting her and how it has really fractured the Penn team uh, in a large manner. In addition to yeah, that includes her own teammates. That was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Her, the parents, the teammates, uh, there was an estimation in the article that about six, there are 37 women swimmers on the Penn team. How many of them actually get in the pool? Well, that's a lot. That is a big, big number. You know, See, I mean, this you is can... varsity blues. This is this is the <laughs> set asides for the rich kids. Yeah. The, Again, these yeah, programs I mean, shouldn't exist. Well, hey, 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 hey settle down. No, uh, hey, man, there's 37 kids. How many of them would have gotten in without being good swimmers? There's a lot of kids who studied their ass off and they aren't swimmers. Well, 37? I mean, maybe, maybe they're all swimming really, across? really good students. I don't know. It's a I lot mean, of swimmers. Yeah, it is a lot. It's a, it's a very high number. I mean, Stanford's team is, I think, like 22, uh, which is on the smaller side. But still, it's, say, being if you're over 30, I don't know what you do with them all. Attention, FBI. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so yeah no it's it's fractured the team it's fractured the swimming community it's fractured anybody who's cared to comment oh, I know. on this 37 six to eight are on leah's side half of the team so 13 more are against and the rest just don't care or they're just freshmen they aren't going to say a word that it's like get me through this right well um, I, I i do feel sorry for the ones who are just kind of caught up in this maelstrom you know i mean this was not of their making, but it has engulfed their season. There's no doubt about it. So, so difficult. what did you learn as a swimming expert? You as 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 the as the college football inquirer swimming expert. What did you learn from this story? It's a very interesting story. Whether you're outraged or supportive, yeah, or somewhere in the middle, like me, trying to figure out what the, what the hell this is all about. So from I don't. A, yeah, from a swimming standpoint, I didn't learn anything. Um, you know, I mean, I I know this that. I watched Leah swim on the laptop for the first time at the Ivy League championships. And, you know, her greatest attributes are size and strength. That comes with uh, having been a biological man. Uh, so the, if anybody wants to deny that, you're not paying, you're not dealing in reality. So so the form is not overly impressive. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say her stroke is. Textbook? No, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's it's some, you know, great triumph of biomechanics or anything like that, that you've, you've mastered freestyle. Uh, I just think that she's bigger, faster, moves efficiently through the water, mostly thanks to that. So so this is the, the issue here, obviously, is that that the hormone levels, the, the, the treatment that Leah took to transition is within the lines of of what have been set. But yes. Those probably need to be updated. USA Swimming came, NCA kicked it over to USA Swimming. USA Swimming said you have to be under this limit for 36 months. Leah's at 34. They kicked it back to basically the NCA had their chance out, but they instead said no. Uh, I'll, I'll read it. USA Swimming officials say Thomas eligibility played no role in its decision making. 
they had been working on this. Less than two weeks later, uh, the NCAA cleared the, seemingly cleared the way for Thomas to swim, citing unfair and potentially detrimental impacts of a late-term rule change. So they recommended delaying a decision on whether to implement the swimming guidelines. Right. Um, that is classic NCA cop-out. Delaying it is allowing it. Yeah. Well, potentially detrimental. Like what? Yeah. They no. suspend teams in the middle of the season from NCA competition. They're handling of course, that's a this. Rule breaking. This is this has been the NCAA at its quintessential best slash worst. Is that they don't, they don't you know they had outdated rules and they were too scared to update them and so they kicked it to USA Swimming and USA Swimming's like, well, this is what we think it should be, and they're like, oh no 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 no, we can't do that now. So yeah, so and and I. I personally think it was too late in the game to change the rules on Leah. I mean, she entered this season with this set of rules to be eligible to swim. She met those expectations. She should be able to swim. Now, you can fault the rules because I do think they were outdated, and I do think they have created an unle- a, a non-level playing field, but I don't sit there and blame her. Don't blame the player. Blame the game. That's fair, and uh, Leah has done everything that, has been required. So I think, and I think that's an important part of this. Uh, Leah's main quote, I just want to show trans kids and younger trans athletes, they're not alone. They don't have to choose between who they are and the sport they love. It's a nice ideal. I don't know how that's how the real world works. It's working on this case. Um, I think all, I think every right-minded person or fair-minded person wants uh, kids that are struggling with this to feel uh, less struggle. Uh, there's too many suicides, too many drugs, too many, uh, just too much depression, too much. But I don't believe this is, should be a yes, like a yes or no on that. Um, I think there, <laughs> you can be in support of that and still say what's going on here. Uh, this is a, this is a swim meet. Uh, it's it's just such a tricky tricky thing, and 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 it, I I think unfortunately there's too many people that just are straight up like against this or just uh, going crazy over this for reasons that are not genuine on trying to keep the sanctity of sport. They're just, yeah. there's no. a bigotry uh, wing to this. There's, but there's still a, a reasonable one, right? Like, here's a pen parent talking to SI. This is anonymous because they don't want to put their name to it because they're going to get crushed. We support Lee as a trans woman and hope she lives a happy and productive life because that's what she deserves. What we can't do is stand by while she rewrites records, eliminates biological women from the sport. If we don't speak up here, it's going to happen in college after college and women's sports as we know it will no longer exist in this country. Here's another one. I mean... Uh, Leah is a human being, deserves to be treated with respect and dignity, but it's not transphobic to say I disagree with where she's swimming. I hear those people loud and clear, and there is room for that. They, if you if you have a problem or a qualm with her competing in the NCAA Women's Swimming Championships, it does not make you anti-trans. Let's be clear about that. Which they, if people that, as you said, want to paint this very black, very white. You know, you you are you're you're wrong, okay, on both sides of it. You are absolutely incorrect. And there's so many people that don't know diddly about what they're talking about that have now started to sound off and act like they know, and they don't know shit, quite frankly. Well, that's America. I mean, yeah, yeah, no. Everyone, every I, the more people are telling me how to wage a land war in Ukraine, all of a sudden, like they spent, like I, I get okay. Maybe you should put that in the suggestion box. <laughs> When did you when did you become a Ukrainian invasion expert? <laughs> <laughs> Myself, I knew one city in Ukraine two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. And I said it wrong. I pronounced it, I didn't say it right. Anyway, 
yeah, that's just American arrogance is phenomenal on these things. That's I, I don't know. Here, here, here is the part that made me uh, let's just stood out. Let's just put it. Let's describe it that way. Thomas there. Those arguments basically saying that argument is disingenuous to Thomas. There is no such thing as half support. Either you back her fully as a woman or you don't. The very simple answer is a quote. The very simple answer is I am not a man. I am a woman, so I belong on the woman's team. Trans people deserve the same respect every other athlete gets. And I think that's that that's the issue. There's no wiggle room here. And I think it's very fair to sit there and say, okay, this is this is why this story just absolutely fascinates me on what's what's gonna happen and everyone arguing because you can yeah. I mean, it, it clearly Leah Thomas has to understand, like, she was a good, a very good swimmer as a male, and now all of a sudden she's crushing everybody. She can't, there's no way you could be, like, purposely uh, just unaware and be like, gee, I wonder if it's because I used to be uh, a, a male. Yeah, and because, yeah, I'm six because foot I'm taller, 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 however tall she is. Yeah. I got bigger and, hands, bigger lungs. I mean, like, come on. Like, it. I, I would... I'm not going to tell Leah Thomas what to, uh, to say, but it would be like a little bit of like, look, I understand that this is a tricky situation. I'm just trying to do my best. But you can, mm-hmm. this is what makes it interesting. Right. Leah Thomas is not backing down on this. No, not at all. And, you know, she will go into the NCAA championships in two weeks as the number one seed in two events, in the 200 freestyle and in the 500 freestyle. In the 500, she will swim in the, in the preliminaries next to my daughter. And then we'll see if they swim against each other again that night. Hopefully, hopefully. My kid advances. I mean, I, I don't wish anything against Leah either. But, uh, you know, we'll see what how that all goes down. But where the, you know, the swimming community gets twitchy about this is if you watch, I, I don't think she was giving 100% effort at the Ivy League championships. And if she has a lot more in the tank, then she will threaten records that are held, NCAA records that are held, by some of the most famous and beloved female Olympians America's ever seen. Missy Franklin, the 200 freestyle, Katie Ledecky in the 500. I don't think she can get close to Katie, but Missy's absolutely could be in jeopardy. Those records go down, and you're going to watch the swimming community get wild. Yeah, this is it's going to be crazy. Two weeks, swimming championships are going to be crazy. Hey, people Uh, are going to pay attention for the first time. Welcome in, everyone. I... It's just a really interesting story. Here's the other quote that really stood out to me and I think is super important. And this is from uh, Leah's dad, Bob. And when when first just this whole process, I guess, but when first was told that, uh, you know, about the transition, we will do everything and anything we need to do to have Leah be part of this family. We're not going to lose her. And uh, that hit me because it's like he understood like. Too many of these end in suicide. Yeah. Too many of these end in in really, really bad situations. So you can see a father saying, hell, well, this this is what we got to do. How do you balance that and and all the other ones with, that's great, we want to support you, but women swimming needs to be women swimming until they figure out how to better regulate this or, or, or determine it, this isn't really a fair swim. Uh, that I mean, that's the crux of the the tension of this. And I, I will again refer back to my daughter's statement, which was first heard on this podcast. Where you know, at the end of it, she said, "I will have no problems competing against racing against Leah." She said, "Person's dignity and respect is more important than any trophy or any record." And I think that 
should resonate as the bottom line here because a, a lot of the people that are really upset about this don't have any actual skin in the game. This is all just a political wedge issue. Right. Uh, but and, some people, some some other swimmers are going to say something else. So, sure. goes, but yeah. you know, I I respect that Brooke is that mature, right? But uh, you know, and right now you have one Leah Thomas. What if there's eight, and that's the yeah, final? I know, and that that's the what if. But that's I, I'm glad you but brought that there. up because right. we're not the 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 extreme that some people are taking this to that I think is illogical is what if somebody has a full basketball team of five guys who are pretending to be women? People aren't. <laughs> rushing out to do this so they can win a basketball game no People they're not doing this so that they can win a <laughs> swim race they're not going to do this so they can hit a softball farther this no, is not I, about athletic competition this is about what somebody wants their identity to be and it's not an easy road to go down this i don't nobody's think choosing this sit, yeah no yeah. nobody's going out there to say i'm gonna pretend i'm a girl so i can win me some ribbons and medals no right. that's not the mentality here yeah, it's 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 I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be a big story next couple of weeks and we'll keep uh, we'll keep discussing it. Um, more importantly, though, Reddit feed. Yes. Chicken restaurant chains that they were SEC teams. <laughs> Let's get to the important stuff. Let's get to the wheelhouse topics. Yeah. Yes. Chicken. OK, enough with the serious stuff. Yeah. What if chicken restaurant chains were SEC teams? This is from Darmok 85. You are on your game, whoever you are, Darmuk85. Tip of the cap. This. this is beautiful. Good thinking. Well, I'm glad you asked. Georgia is Chick-fil-A. Georgia okay. is Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Obviously, very, very big in Atlanta. Atlanta-based, I believe. They deliver a quality product, but their fans are strangely cultish and won't shut up about how good it is. <laughs> See, I don't know. I, I, I personally would put Alabama as Chick-fil-A, but... <laughs> I kind of, yeah. But who won the last Natty? You got to give it to them. They won the last Natty, but the the established brand in the South is both Chick-fil-A and Alabama. I I kind of, wait till you get to the next one. Alabama says it's Raisin Cane's. It's a solid choice. Hold on, don't, don't, don't. Come on, what are you doing, Sully? (laughs) This is... I'm too excited. It, about this. You, you're gonna you're gonna start slipping in Tennessee basketball talk again. <laughs> no, I'm not. This is way better than Tennessee basketball. Can you now? I mean, we've discussed like many Coach K stories, and in the hot topic of American sport, and 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 you you want to get Tennessee basketball number fifteen, number fifteen. Well, they're gonna be they're gonna be way higher than that. The number thirteen. They beat um, they, before they beat Auburn. All right, Alabama is raising canes. Chick-fil-A finished with you either love it or hate it or you're close to someone who loves it and you pretend to love it for your own safety. Chick-fil-A is very, very good. I just don't think it's as good as uh, Popeye's. I just like Popeye's. Yeah, see, Popeye's. It's just not, it's not that good. It's yeah. very good, though. And the, and you, I agree cheap. with Alabama's Raising Cane's, though, for one, because it's they have the best tenders in the game and that's all they do. They're yeah. boring. They, they have the boring <laughs> uniforms like Alabama, but they just get the damn thing done, man. You don't know how they do it, but they do it. It's a solid choice if kind of boring compared to the other choices. This is the thing. They only do one thing, but they're pretty good at it. Pretty good. Alabama pretty, is excellent that's, at it. That's the thing. No, they're, that's they're the my, best, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think raising canes is an insult to Alabama. I agree. It's too, too low. I'm, it's not, I'm, not, I'm tearing apart this whole thing. I don't like the raising canes thing. All right. Next one. Old Miss. Old Miss is Zaxby's. They want to be raising canes so damn bad. That is true. 
<laughs> they try to spice things up, but at the end, they're falling a little short when compared to the other restaurants. I did not know Zaxby's. Ole Miss wants to be Alabama. I did not know Zaxby's had like was was you know pined to be raising canes. <laughs> they have a bigger menu, so I think they're a little more versatile. How many but... raising canes are there? Are there enough of them for this? There's a lot. They're out here oh. in LA now, so there's a bunch. Yeah. See, my my theory too. See, I I, I say you flip them. Bama is Chick Fil A. Georgia is Raisin Canes. Uh, because again, it's not quite as big in terms of being established, but it's getting bigger. And Stetson Bennett worked the drive-through window a couple of days after winning the national championship at the Raisin Canes in Athens. Well, there's that. Six hundred Raisin Canes. There's nine hundred and forty-one Zaxby's. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, the Z, the Z and the, the Zach sauce is everywhere. It flows through America. <laughs> so take that. Ah. This this list, well, I think we can do a better job. All right. Auburn. Auburn is Bojangles. It's bow time, baby. <laughs> okay. First off, Bo I'm, Jackson, I'm Bojangles. Right. Plus, very good, very good write-up. It's always a 50-50 toss-up if it'll end up edible or already cold <laughs> and, and just hilariously bad and probably can't be legally considered food. We all know people who love Bojangles. We're just not sure why. Uh, Fair enough. There are like this. There is a group that just loves their bow. They love their yeah. Bojangles. And it is a little bit like that's your fuck guy. Okay. Every once in a while you get you get a bowberry biscuit and it hits just right. Just like Cam Newton. You know, you get that one <laughs> bowberry biscuit that's awesome. And you're like, all right, I can see it. Uh, the bowberry right. biscuit is Cam Newton. I love it. Okay. Florida. Florida is KFC. Mm. I know, I know this guy writes KFC or woman, I don't know. KFC should be Kentucky. No, shut up and hear me out. KFC is Florida. Here's why. They used to be good. Now they have no idea what the hell they're doing, and neither do we have no idea what the hell they're doing, and neither do they. <laughs> like yeah, it. there's That's a lot funny. of combos with Taco Bell, and they're they're trying to do too yeah, many things. No, they're all over. They're in China. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're killing it in China. Yeah, I mean, they are killing it in China. KFC. Let me see it. The KFC's got a lot of. It is kind of Florida. It's everywhere. It dominates. It punched it. 24,000 locations. I do have to say, covering the Beijing Olympics in 08, I was having some, you know, strained conversation with somebody who knew a little bit of English. Uh, and they said, where are you from? I said, Kentucky. And they're oh, chicken. And then yep. they were asking me if Colonel Sanders is real Asian. No, if he's Asian because his eyes look small on the bucket. And I'm like, no, he's from <laughs> Corbin, Kentucky, man. He they, might be. Yeah, I don't think so. KFC has 7,900 in China. The great Steve Politi uh, at the 08 Olympics wrote that uh, Colonel Sanders kicked uh, General Tao's ass because there's no General Tao chicken. <laughs> General Tso. uh Dominant in, in, in uh, China. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the Gators. They're trying something else. All right. LSU, Popeyes. Yeah, it had to be, right? Kind of scary, kind of good, and the people who love it never shut up about it. Yeah. Eh. They have a huge hit, and then they're terrible again. <laughs> I mean, that's – I mean, they, they literally created the best sandwich, set off the chicken sandwich war, but then ran out of chicken. It's like a <laughs> Russian supply that's, line. That's a, a very LSU. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very LSU thing there, yeah. Vlad Putin's favorite is we ran out of chickens for the chicken. We tried to wage a chicken war, and we ran out of chicken. Um, 
There's a lot about it that just doesn't quite make sense. That is true. Who knows what's going on at Popeye's? Yeah. All right. Next, Texas A&M. Wingstop. Texas no, A&M is Wingstop. Yeah, it's pretty good, but it feels like it's too expensive for what you actually get. It's about halfway through the meal. You notice the food isn't quite as good as you thought, and there's some strange man in the corner that's been staring at you the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that is Wingstop. That's, that's, a, that's, so a, that's wing a good stop. good kicker line there. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Okay. Arkansas. Arkansas is Church's Chicken. Mm. You've only eaten there once, and it was actually kind of good. But you'll never be in the exact that exact airport again on a Sunday night after all the other restaurants have closed for the night. So you probably never eat it again. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. Not bad. Um, All right. We'll see how they do here. We're getting deep. South Carolina, Chester fried chicken. Oh, gosh. Chester fried chicken. You've like seen last, it advertised. The last three I have never eaten at. So uh, okay, uh, you've you've seen it advertised on the gas station window. It could be good if it was sold somewhere else. Admittedly, you're hungry. You might actually be. It might actually be fried chicken. But then again, why take the risk? That's the South Carolina <laughs> program. I'm not totally inaccurate. Mississippi State is Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm. Everyone knows that one person who won't shut up about it. The highs are high. The lows are well, pretty stinking low. I think it's just wild and zany, but in the end, you'll oh, you'll remember is all you'll remember is leaving with a headache and praying you don't have diarrhea tomorrow. <laughs> God, I, the guy really doesn't like Buffalo Wild Wings. All right, see, I would have put Buffalo Wild Wings as Tennessee. Personally, I agree. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee. I'll I'll jump to Tennessee. Okay. Tennessee is Hardy's Carl Juniors. Oh my! You've heard the rumors that it was once known as a chicken restaurant and that it was pretty good too. That being said, no one was actually around to remember when it was either of those things. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Now they're burgers, it's and it's yeah, yeah it's kind of true. But yeah, Hardee's I'm, I'm a I'm chicken. I think I think Buffalo Wild Wings is Tennessee because it's always just a shit show when you go in there, right? <laughs> well, it's just I mean, like yeah, you can get yeah, the tables aren't bust, yeah, and no, yeah, the floor is slippery. The floor. Oh, yeah, the beer it's like it's got that taste. The draft that they haven't cleaned the tubes and the t- the draft. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, they're they're out of the beer you want. But also, yeah, everything, everything tastes the same because it's all the same fried oil that's been there for four years. <laughs> right. But then then again, like, but, it's not a bad wing. No, yeah. no. And it's, a, you know, you got a lot of TVs and stuff. So, yeah, yeah you get I the mean, UFC. It should be better. It well, should be better. It should, than should be better. Be better right? It's got all the resources. <laughs> big rep for a long time. And now they've been eclipsed by several of these other places. Yeah. Spend a lot on advertising. I, I think Buffalo Wild Wings is Tennessee. Hardy's yep. Carl. Yeah. Uh, chicken salad chick. Yes. Have you had that, Pat? I've never heard yeah, of it. Yeah, we just got one in Louisville. It actually moved into the Raisin Canes that moved out Whoa. on Shelbyville Road. Oh, hey. Yeah, and I have had uh, it, and I like it. I like chicken it. Chicken salad chick is Missouri. Guess oh, what? You're alma mater. I there mean, come on. Almost the most sold beverage at both is Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> little overpriced. I, I think, yeah, good. It, I think it actually started by an Auburn grad. Really? Right, that, yeah, I believe chick, it's actually chicken SEC salad ties. chick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Finally, Kentucky. Oh no, no, we're not. So we got a couple more. Kentucky is Dairy Queen. <laughs> chicken isn't even their main thing. Which is true. Basketball is their main thing. Yep. But it is better than you expected. Unfortunately, no matter how good the chicken may be, ice cream will always be the star. <laughs> That's good. That's that's, that's not bad. This is clever. I do uh, love I do love their chicken tendies with a little. They they do the white gravy on the side, which really puts it over the top. So I, I think Mark Stoops. Yep, 
well, their chicken tender basket, very similar. And then finally, Vanderbilt is Long John Silver's. Oh, God. <laughs> sure, they sell chicken, but no one is going there for the chicken. <laughs> if you hated fish and no one else was open, you might be a hard choice between their chicken and going to bed hungry. As the Vanderbilt football program. Oh, boy. Not bad. Uh, no, it's Not good. bad. It's well yeah. done. Not bad at all. All right. We are, we are, we are deep in here. We're deep in this podcast. Um, uh, so we'll be back on Monday for more uh, talk. March Madness getting closer. The big tournaments are next week. The smaller ones are wrapping up. Should be plenty of uh, mayhem. So continue to subscribe. Appreciate your sharing us on social media and telling your friends about it. We will talk to you later.